Good morning, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Hello. Center Church. We are the Menahem. If this is your first time here, be sure to pick up a welcome bag at the connection site or the welcome and information desk. I hope everyone will put their name on the friendship card that is in their bulletin. If you would like to receive the church newsletter or need to update any information, be sure to fill out your address and phone number. On the back, you can write prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Please enjoy the service and have a good day. Pendleton Center Church. We do have a couple of opportunities for ministry on clipboards we're passing back in the sanctuary. So if you're interested in helping with these ministries, you're welcome to sign up for them. One is for our fish fries. We had a wonderful fish fry last week again. Um, we sold out by quarter to seven, which was a perfect time to sell out. There weren't too many people after that. So we do appreciate everybody coming and helping with that. And the other clipboard opportunity is for our Easter egg hunt. The day before Easter, we have a huge Easter egg hunt. There'll probably be about eight, 900 people here. So if you can help with that effort, we'd appreciate it. And if you just want to attend with your kids, we'd invite you to do that as well. Let's take a moment and turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we pray that you'll bless us in this place and that all that we do and all that we are will be done to honor you. Bless us, send your spirit upon us as we offer our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing, shout to the north, the south, the east. This one here takes a little bit of exercise, so if you haven't been with us, the north is that way, the south is that way, the east is that way, and the west is that way. The men will go first. Men of faith, rise up and sing of the great and glorious King. You are strong when you feel weak, in your brokenness complete. You ready to stretch out here? Shout! To the north and the south, sing to the east and the west. Jesus is Savior to all, Lord of heaven and earth. Rise up, women of the truth, stand and sing to broken hearts. Who can know the healing 
been through fire, we've been through rain. We've been refined by the power of His name. We've fallen deeper in love with you. You've been the truth on our lips. Ready? Shout to the north and the south. With songs again Of our God who reigns on high By His grace again we'll fly Just quiet, get quiet, ready? Shout to the north and the south Sing to the east and the west Jesus, the Savior to all Lord, That wasn't any fun, was it? Why don't we really shout, ready? Shout! The north and the south Sing to the east and the west Jesus is Savior to all Lord of heaven and earth One last time We will shout to the north and the south Sing to the east and the west Because Jesus is Savior to all Lord of heaven and While the children are coming up, I want to just offer uh, just a real quick word the, the, about the a little children. envelope that the, the preschool kids can come up now if they'd like to. Uh, we have an envelope in the bulletin for what's called UMCOR. This is our United Methodist effort to help people around the world. So when there's a natural disaster or an earthquake or any kind of problem like that, we're there to help with that. So if you'd like to give an extra gift to that, you can do so this morning. And I believe we have a thankful moment. Yes, I'd like to invite Rosie Heineman to come on forward to offer a thankful moment for us. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Good morning. While they were getting organized, I guess I'll speak. <laughs> so when Mrs. Miner asked me to share a thankful moment, I was honored and many memories came to mind. We have two children, Connor six and Molly four. Attended both the three Connor attended both the three and four year old program, and Molly in her second year is in the four year old program. It is hard to list just one thankful moment, so I will share a few with you today. First smiles. Every parent has had that rushed morning trying to get everyone out of the house on time. 
Needless to say, that is almost every morning in our household. Arriving at school, I am not always the brightest and cheeriest mood. That is not what we are greeted with. Every morning when the kids get dropped off or picked up, we encounter smiling faces and welcoming arms. A smile can speak louder than words. Second, we as parents understand that our children may not always act like the little angels we simply wish they would be. The teachers and aides understand this. They do an exceptional job of recognizing the positives of our children, but also encourage our kids to be and act in a more constructive way. Let's just say it helps to have that reinforcement at school. Third, I am thankful for respect. Not only do these teachers teach respect to our children, they show it. The teachers have shown respect to me, the parent, and also to my children. Fourth, I am very thankful for hugs. My children love to cuddle, and I personally hope that will last a very long time. Three mornings a week, we get packed into the car to drop off Molly, and then I off to take Connor to kindergarten. Many times, Connor has asked if he could come in and give the teachers a hug. Every single time, he is welcomed. It makes me think that not only did he learn and grow while at school, he was still loved and feels that way a year later. Now, I could go on and list several more things, but it's just supposed to be a thankful moment and not a sermon. I'll gladly leave that to Pastor Tom. But lastly, I'm sad, I'm sad to be giving this thankful speech. It means my children's time at Genesis is almost complete. As much as I may miss the draw, not miss the drive three days a week, I will miss the Miss Miner, Miss Miner's morning smile, Miss Sue's vibrant hello, Mrs. Jurdy's hugs and laughter, and the joy of seeing all the children enjoy school here. I want to thank the teachers and aides, even those who did not teach my children. From Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Ladies, this is your purpose, to teach and to love. Thank you for helping start our children's journey through life with knowledge, respect, friendship, and the greatest gift of God, love. Thank you. We thank Rosie for sharing with us, and as we thank God for all the blessings he gives to us, let's return our thanksgiving with our morning tithes and our offerings.
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for all of the children, Lord God, and that they can minister to us in such beauty and love and innocence. We thank you for the offering that they have given to you this day so that we can be blessed. We just bring this offering before you too, Lord, this morning. It comes from all the blessings that you've given us. We ask that you would help us, Lord, and give us wisdom to know how to use it for the furtherance of your kingdom so that many could come to faith in Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Will you greet one another in the peace of Christ and have all the children come on forward? <laughs> Come on up here, guys. There we go. Come on right up. Any children that want to come up are welcome to come up and join me. Good morning. How many know what color this is? What color is that? Purple. And what color is this? And what color is that? And what color is this? No, it's butter. My grandson, when he was, when he was young like you, he decided that this was called butter. And so every time we said yellow, he said butter. He even got a couple of his friends to call it butter. Do you think that made it butter? No, it's yellow, right? Yeah. yeah, you know that. I know that. So even if your friends tell you something's wrong that's right, that doesn't make it right, does it? No, no, because we know what's right. We know what's right because our parents help us to know, our teachers help us to know. God tells us what's right even in the Bible, right? So there's a lot of things that we can learn that are right. But just because somebody tells you something wrong, wrong is right doesn't make it right. Just like this isn't butter. What color is it? Yellow. Very good. Okay, what are you guys thankful for? If you want to share something, raise your hand. Uh, butter. Butter. He heard me. <laughs> My cousins. My parents. Okay. It's okay. My mommy. All right. I gotta reach. My friends and family. My family. Mom and my dad and my friends. Friends and family. Mommy. Friends and family. My brother, Devin. My brother. Apple. <laughs> My family. 
All right. We get everybody? All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all the wonderful things you give to us, and we pray that you bless us with your blessings now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Very good. Okay, you kids can go out to church school. All the kids go out to church school now if they'd like to. share God's love with our children and have them just come and worship and share it with us. Amen? Amen. It is. It is a joy. Um, we also have a couple of other joys to share with you. We were able as a church to serve on Friday 722 fish fries before we ran out of fish, which is a wonderful blessing. It's always, a, it's always so special to be able to reach out to folks and greet the folks who come and, and share the love of God with them over a meal. It's a wonderful thing. We also have congratulations to um, new grandparents, um, um, uh, the um, Hendersons, Sally and Rich, and because, because see, see Chris and Nicole, um, Henderson Johns had twins on Friday and their names are Joseph and Ella. They are both over five pounds, and they are doing very, very well. And we are just so blessed um, to know about them and to have them in our church family. That is a blessing. Along, of course, with all of the blessings, we have concerns on our hearts, too. Don't we always have both those things going on in our lives? Um, we have uh, Ruth Oak's son's father-in-law, Parker. He's 88 years old, and he's not doing so well. We want to keep him lifted up in our prayers. And um, Laura Macaluso has, uh, Lois, excuse me, Lois Macaluso has um, a neuralgia um, in her face, and, and that's troublesome to her, and we need to keep her in our prayers. Um, Chet Dombrowski and Linda Canoodla have ongoing health problems, but I understand Linda has come home from the hospital now, so she's doing better, but we need to continue to keep them in our prayers as well. Um, Doug Abel has had emergency intestinal surgery and we want to keep him in our prayers. And um, we are um, um, helping folks to get through the experience of loss. Um, Bill Becker Sr. passed away on Sunday. Um, that's Bill Becker's dad, and um, we want to keep that family in our prayers. And also um, Rick Straczynski's father died too. So we have a number of things to keep lifted up before the Lord, and we have joys in our hearts too. With all of these concerns and all of these joys, whether you join me in your seat or at the rail for prayer, let's turn to the Lord in prayer, knowing God hears us and God answers our prayers. God of all creation, you know us, you have known us before we were even born. You formed us in our mother's wombs. You have been with us all of our lives. Whether we have acknowledged you or whether we have been busy about other things, you have remained faithful forever. 
Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we just lift up all of the concerns that we have named. We pray for your healing touch upon all of those people who are in need of healing, those who are sick, those who are infirm. Whether they need a touch of, of healing from you, Lord, in their spirits, their souls, or their bodies, we ask that you would touch them. Make them whole, Lord God, and draw them to yourselves. We pray in Jesus' name for those who are grieving losses of all kinds. Oh, Lord God, give them comfort and give them peace as only you can give. Let them know the saving power that is in you, the saving power that is you. Touch them, Lord, with your mercy. Touch them with your peace. Father, we pray for all of our children from the very, very smallest new life that you have brought forth into our midst, for which we are so grateful, all the way through to the children who are in school as they graduate, Lord, wherever they are in their lives. We pray that they will know your loving kindness and your great mercy. We pray that you would equip us, Lord God, as your people, as the parents of these children, as their church family, to come to know you. Help us to share your great love with them. Help us to be your witnesses. Help them to see the example of love and mercy and grace that you have shown us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name as we continue hearing your word and singing songs of praise that you would wash over us and transform us, make us to be more like Jesus. Be with Pastor Tom as he brings the message that you have given him for us this day. Let it be a blessing to him and a blessing to us, Lord. Make all of our worship to be pleasing to you. That is why we came, Lord God. And fill us, Lord, that throughout this week we may share your love with whoever you put in our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Today's scripture is from John, chapter 4, verses 6 through 26. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Elizabeth. Did I give you a long enough uh, passage there? <laughs> yes, that was the longest conversation Jesus ever had with the person actually, in that part of the Bible. I just wanted to mention, while the kids are all welcome to be in church, if any of the kids would still like to go out to church school, they can go out with Pastor Sherry now if they'd like to. This morning, we're continuing in a sermon series we're doing about the passage that Pastor Sherry read in the beginning of the service, where Jesus said that we should love one another the way he loved us. So we're trying to figure out, how did Jesus love people, and what does that mean for us? And in doing so, we're looking at some of the stories that Jesus took on his way to the cross. So this story, traditionally, is about a Samaritan woman. And the Jews didn't like the Samaritan. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. And the Samaritan woman comes to the well to get water, and Jesus is there by himself. And so he asks her for a drink of water, and she says, Would you, a Jew, want a drink of water from me? And he said, woman, if you knew who I was and what gift I offer you to ask me for water that springs up to eternal life. So she says, well, I'd like some of that water so I don't have to drag water out of this well anymore. Can I have that water? And he says, 
call your husband first. And she said, well, I have no husband. To which Jesus responded, that's true. Actually, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with isn't your husband right now. And the scholars would say over the years that, that this is when the woman felt convicted and realized Jesus was a prophet, kind of one of those, if you will, gotcha moments. Sometimes the truth is difficult. Sometimes it's hard to hear what we don't want to hear when someone says something to us that we need to hear, but we don't really want to hear. It's what I think I know is true that turns out to be false, that hurts me and hurts others the most. The passage I, verse I want to really focus on this morning is in Ephesians, and it says this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. It's hard nowadays. It, 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 we, we, we try to avoid the truth. We don't really say to people what we're thinking because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anybody to be upset with what we say. And so we think that we need to just let things go. Don't make waves. Don't cause any trouble. But sometimes we need to hear what's true. We're looking at clips from a movie called The Secret Life of Pets. And in that movie, the animals will talk, and they will tell us what they're thinking. And animals sometimes say things that we might not say. So we're going to meet a new little dog this morning, a little white dog who's going to meet a bird. Uh, hello? I can see for miles. If you let me out, I'll find your friend. Wow, really? Oh, you're so sweet. You're sweet, too. Oh, thanks, stranger. But not too sweet. There's also a uh, salty, gamey thing going on. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Come on, let's get you out of that shed. Yeah, that's it. Just step over the pile of bones. Pile of bones, okay, will do. Oh, I sure hope Max is safe. You're a very thoughtful food. Food? I didn't say that. I said friend. I meant food, friend. You know what I meant. I am sure lucky I found you. Uh... Tiberius. And yes, this is a very good thing for you, this whole meeting me thing. Take off my hood. Predator, I'm selfish. I'm a selfish predator. It's no wonder I have no friends. Nobody. <laughs> I, I, this hopeless. I, oh, don't. There's no need to cry. I'm sorry that I yelled at you before. Please take off the chain. This time I'll help you, I promise. Tiberius, this is going to sound completely horrible, but um, I don't fully trust you. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 but I guess everyone deserves a second chance. 
and you are just a lonely old bird, and you do have weird manners because you live in a weird shed on a roof. So I'll tell you what, if you find Max, I'll be your best friend. Best friend? <laughs> Even though you are a little weird bird that lives in a shed, and sometimes people need to hear what needs to be said. Tiberius, you're a mean bird. Maybe you don't realize it, but you are. Sometimes people are wrong. They're doing the wrong things. Their behaviors, their actions, their words are inappropriate, and they need to know it. And sometimes we need to hear it. Because it's what we're doing that's wrong, or what we're saying, and nobody has said it to us. I hope that the day I meet God, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I fully expect that he's going to say, but when you used to tell people such and such, what were you thinking? I expect that. I believe that there's some things I just don't have right. See, there's some things we think are true. But as we learn more, we find out that they're really just part of our tradition, our culture. Just like Jesus and the Samaritan woman were dealing with. So what scholars will tell us is that the woman was coming at noon. And the reason she came at noon was to avoid the people who were gossiping about her. And after all, it, the reason Jesus asked her to get the water was because it was woman's work. Anybody ever remember when we had woman's work? We had women's work and men's work. Back, you know, in the dark ages when I grew up. I grew up in a different world. I'll tell you the truth. I grew up in a different world, so different than what young people are growing up now today, that sometimes I feel like I'm from a different country. We talked different. We acted different. We thought different. And we had attitudes that were different. They had the same problem. The reason why they were shocked about this conversation, the disciples showed up later and they said they were shocked that Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman was first of all because the idea of Jesus talking to a single woman was scandalous and second of all because even more so she was a Samaritan. Now for us we think of Samaritan, we think good Samaritan, but that's from a story in the Bible. The Jewish people would have said there are no such things as good Samaritans. In the, in the Bible, you'll read that a group of people, Jewish people, were taken in captivity to Babylon, and they were gone for about 60 years. When they came back, they found that a lot of the people that lived there had mixed in with the other folks, and so not only did they have different bloodlines, but they had different ideas. So they worshipped in a different place, and they had some, some, some ideas about God that were a little different than what these folks thought. They were close but not quite right. And so they treated the Samaritans like they were almost untouchables, people not to even be considered to go near. It's funny how people who are close will argue more than people who are not. How relatives will fight with each other more than they'll fight with the stranger. How Christians will argue with people that go to a different kind of church than they do as if they worship some completely different God. And so they had the same thing going on here. We build up prejudices and traditions and ideas that we don't even realize are necessarily wrong. 
When I grew up, discipline was entirely different. I was talking to a woman my age just the other day, and we were comparing notes about how we were disciplined by our parents. Back then, if you did something wrong, you got smacked. If you got in trouble at, at school, and they found out about it at home, you got hit again. By the way, we got hit in school, too. And we used to consider our parents to be merciful, loving parents because they only hit us with their hand. Some of our friends were hit with, with sticks and brushes and all kinds of weird things. And, you know, the truth is, is they said, little children, you don't need a weapon to discipline a little child. We didn't think it was wrong. We would even quote the Bible and say, spare the rod, spoil the child. Which didn't mean that you pound the heck out of a child. Do you follow? But we didn't know better. We were all raised that way, so we all thought it was normal. And that's just one thing. We treated women with disrespect. We treated people from other cultures and other races with, dif- with disrespect. We had attitudes that were just wrong. And they needed to change. And I think they've changed for the better. Some things change. This woman and Jesus are arguing about where you should worship. Do we, argue, do we worship on this mountain or do we worship in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, you know, a day's coming when nobody's going to care about either one of those. They're going to be worshiping in all kinds of places. And we think that that's kind of odd that they would argue about that. But, but, but church people do that too. They get so attached to a building as if God can only live in the building. You all know that someday this building will not be a church. It's just, it's just it'll be gone. That'll happen. I don't know when. I hope not soon. But we have it all over western New York, places where we have churches and there's really hardly any people. But we hold on to that spot. Has anybody ever been to the Wegmans store over on Maple Road? Do you know where the Wegmans store used to be? Across the parking lot. Wegmans, in their infinite wisdom, decided that it was good business to tear a perfectly good building down and build a brand new building across the parking lot from where their store was. We would never think about moving our church across. Could you imagine if I made the proposal that we'd be a better church if we moved our, our church from here to the other end of our parking lot? You would hang me. <laughs> Even if it made sense. We attach ourselves to things that are not really that important, and we cling to them and hold to them and fight over them. Jesus said that the people who worship God right are the ones who do it in spirit and in truth. And sometimes the truth is not as obvious as we think. We think we know the story. But as I was looking at the story a little further, I realized that there's some things we may not have thought of. Like, for instance, do you know what the well was in the Bible in the ancient days? You can read about it, like in the story of Isaac and Rebecca. The well was where guys went to meet girls. You know, the watering hole, right? And so, Here you've got this woman, shows up to the well, minding her own business, and some Jewish guy starts hitting on her. Hey, baby, how about a drink of water? And she's like, what? I don't know you. And you're not from around here. You're kind of good looking, but, you know. Why would you ask me for a drink of water? 
Hey, I can give you water that'll satisfy you, let me tell you. <laughs> right? And the woman says, I think that sounds good. <laughs> I could go for that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, back up the train. You're getting the wrong idea here. Go get your husband before this gets out of hand. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says to her, I know that. Because I actually know you, and I know you've had five husbands, and the guy that you have in your life right now isn't even your husband. And at that point, she realized there was something different about this guy. He's a prophet. He knew things that really most people didn't know unless they were close to her. So instead of having this conversation about God. See, one of the difficulties we have is that we look at things sometimes from our own perspective and we put ourselves on a situation. And that's why people have decided that this woman was some kind of, kind of loose woman because she had had five husbands. But if we understood the culture in that day and age, a woman was not allowed to divorce her husband. In that day, only men could divorce women. Women were not allowed to divorce a man. So this woman had five husbands, which means that either five guys gave her the boot or five fellows she loved died on her or some combination. And either way, this is a tragic situation. This is a woman we should feel for because she's gone through more pain and suffering and hurt than most of us could even imagine in a lifetime. The struggle and pain of going through that. So see, what we think is the truth oftentimes is just what we've decided to make the truth. When we read the Bible, all too often we read it so that it will say what we want instead of trying to find out what God is trying to say to us. In the book of John, Jesus says to us, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. How can we know the truth? In our Methodist tradition, we talk about something they they really refer to as a quadrilateral, or four things that we look at. The first thing is, is we look at our reason, our mind. When you come to church, we expect you to think and consider, and not just swallow everything you hear. But to determine in your own mind, in your own heart, what you think is right or wrong. Because I'm just a person like you. I might be trying to figure this out a little more often than you. But you might know something that I don't. And we expect people to consider their experiences. And our experiences are very different. Both our experience of God and our experience of life. So people who are suffering in a battle zone like Syria or or living in poverty in a nation in Africa are going to think of these stories a lot different than we think of these stories. A woman who's lost a couple of husbands to death will read this story very different than a man whose wife left him. And then there's the experience of God, the Holy Spirit, guiding our hearts, which some people listen to more than others. The third thing we look at is what we call tradition, or or what's gone before. For, 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 For centuries, we've had scholars study these things and consider what might be true, and it's worth reading, because oftentimes they're right. I think in this case, not necessarily. 
But usually they can help us by having worked through these things and considered them more. That's why we have churches where we can spend time to learn what's already been learned rather than trying to figure it out ourselves. But then the last thing is this book. And some people would say, why would we pay attention to this book? It's a couple thousand years old at least. Why not get something more modern? And I'll tell you the reason, and it's probably not the best of reasons, but it is the reason. Every Christian in the world believes that somehow God has revealed his truth through this book. And it's the only thing we agree on. It's the only thing we agree on. I say that with sadness. We disagree about a lot of stuff. But we agree about this book. So we turn to this book to try and find out what is God trying to teach us. And in this story, Jesus gives us some truths that are essential truths or eternal truths or always truths. The first one he says is that he has a gift for us. And if you drink of it, you'll have eternal life. One of the primary purposes of this life is to get to the next one. And God has said that if we will accept the gift God gives to us, he will grant us eternal life. A lot of people think that they have to do something to earn it, but you can't earn a gift. It's a gift from God. A lot of people think they don't deserve it, and none of us do, but God gives that gift if we're willing to accept it. That's why it's called grace. It's a gift, just like the little dog being willing to be a friend to the bird, not because the bird deserved it. And that gift changes us and changes our eternal destiny. And God gives us that living water. The second thing he talks about is that we exist to honor and to serve God. They talk about worshiping here, and the point of worshiping God in spirit and in truth is to understand who God is so we can follow him. The woman said to Jesus, are you greater than Jacob who dug this well? And you know, we're all from the corners because we've seen this story before going, yes, he is, yes. Because he's the Messiah. He's the Savior, as he even tells her. He's the one who can transform their lives and transform ours. And she says, well, then give me the water so I don't have to you know, go down in the well anymore. That's what we want from God. See, our problem is, is we don't see God as God. We see God as a magic genie. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Really? That's what we think God is there for. Take away all our problems, fix everything for us, make our life good, give us all the good stuff. But God is there for us to serve, not to serve us. We all have our difficulties and our troubles, and God walks through them with us, and he can help us in that. But the purpose of worship is to remind us who we are not. We are not God. We're people. God is God. Then the third thing he says in here is that only God can satisfy our life. Only God can satisfy our life. Uh, There is a great wise man in the Bible named Solomon, and he wrote these words in the book of Ecclesiastes. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on people. 
I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. We strive and we work and we never actually get satisfied. I have a cottage I've been working on for over 30 years. And people will ask me, when do you think you'll be finished? I said, when I sell it. Sound familiar to anybody? It's never done. Do you ever make enough money that you're satisfied? Do you ever, do you ever have enough stuff that you're happy? Do you ever have enough friends? Do you ever feel satisfied? We work and we strive. And it, it's like trying to catch the wind. God says, I will give you grace which will quench the desires of your soul. Satisfy what can't be satisfied. And in our culture, we need this more than ever. We live in a culture where we are taught day in and day out by Madison Avenue that we should be dissatisfied with everything. Remember that commercial with the, with, with the telephone? Well, you deserve all of this. Why? Well, you got an answer right somewhere in school, didn't you? You know, got to be some reason. Just because you're there. So go get something you don't have. Because don't be thinking that this phone is going to be good enough. Pretty soon there's one that'll send you on a trip to California. I don't know. I was, uh, I, I, don't, I don't often talk about things that actually happen in my ministry because it's not my goal to like embarrass anyone. But we were at a dinner up in Niagara Falls. We serve a dinner to people, community dinner. And this happened in front of 100 people. So this is not a secret thing. There's a little boy came in. He was about 10 or 11 years old. And he was angry. You could see it right off. He came up to get his food and he took the tray and he slammed it on the table. And then when he got his food, he kind of stomped over to where he was sitting and he sat down real loud, started pushing things around. And about five or six minutes later, all of a sudden, he was banging, he's hitting things, he's making noise, he's yelling. He went out the door of the hall, up the stairs, heard banging out there. So I went to see what he was doing, came back in, and he's yelling and screaming and banging things around. And this time when he went out, he hit the door and put his hand right through a glass window. That didn't stop him. He kept going. He's so upset. So I went after him. I went after him because, to be honest with you, I don't know what he was going to do out there, Tim or anything else. And I found him out there, and he's pushing things around and smacking things here. He wasn't really breaking things, but, boy, he was making a ruckus. And it looked like he was going to hurt himself. So I took hold of him. I don't know if I should have done this. Maybe this was a mistake. You know, maybe I'm going to get sued or something. I don't know. But I took hold of him because I was afraid he's going to hurt himself. And I realized right after I had hold of him that he already had hurt himself because there was blood all over the place. He's bleeding from cuts on his hands from putting it through the window. Sometimes we're confronted with situations that are difficult. I couldn't figure out why this boy was so angry. So I said, why are you angry? It's not fair. That's not fair. It's not fair. That's all he's saying. Come to find out, his friend got a toy he didn't. That's what this whole thing was about. His friend got a toy that he didn't. It's not fair. 
I told him, I said, you know what? You're right. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. If you don't know that, you haven't lived long enough. Life's not fair. Everybody doesn't get the prize. We don't all get the good job. We don't all get healthy lives. We don't all live in comfort. We don't all have all the gifts and graces from God. Life isn't fair. And if you wanted to, we could sit around and I could tell you what's wrong with my world and you could tell me what's wrong with yours. And I'm sure we'd have plenty to talk about. I told him the truth. Just like Jesus told the truth to this woman. But he offered something that would satisfy her soul. God is spirit, and we worship in spirit and in truth. The power of God is not just in truth, but it's in the spirit. God calls us not to practice random acts of kindness, but intentional acts of love. To do the loving thing even when it's not easy. We've turned the truth into weapons, a game of gotcha. If I can tell something about you that'll make you look bad, gotcha. This boy was angry. I, I, I didn't know what to do with him. I'm holding on to him, and he was pretty strong. I told Gidget, I said, I, I can't be your security many more years here, you know. I got a little old for this gig. I'm glad he was a little guy. Well, not that little. But I'm holding on to him. You know what I wanted to do? I'll tell you what I wanted to do, and it was only 10 feet away. I wanted to boot him out the front door and pull it shut. That's what I wanted to do. Not my problem. My second idea was call 911. Get the cops here. Enough of this. Let them drag this guy off and take care of this kid. But I'm thinking he's a boy. He's a little boy. And he's hurting. And then his mother told me he was bipolar. Oh. Talk calm, Tom. Quiet him down. He needs to come off of this. So we talked a little bit. He yelled a lot. We talked some more. We cleaned up his hand that was bleeding. We sat him in a chair. Said, I'm hungry. I said, it's okay. I know you're hungry. And there's still food downstairs. But you got to calm down. And if you calm down, you and I will go down and eat dinner together because I didn't eat either. And that's what happened. We went downstairs. We ate dinner together. He still was upset. He still was upset. But hopefully, hopefully, we got him to not hurt himself anymore. Sometimes it's not easy to do what we need to do. It's the very thing that I think is true that turns out to not be true that hurts other people and hurts me the most. Sometimes we need to know the truth. We need to understand it better. And the problem is we don't really understand people. People have been talking about this woman at the well like she's some bad person for years. They don't know her. They've never met her. They don't even know anything about her. And they've already decided that there's something bad about her. We need to get to know each other better. In fact, we got a little, little uh, game for you after church. If you should want to play it, just, you know, for fun, but also to get to know somebody. It's, it's, a, it's a human scavenger hunt. You might have picked one of these up on the way in, or you can get one on the way out. They're just easy little questions. Find somebody with brown eyes, somebody wearing blue. Find someone who's got the same month that they were born as you. Find somebody who can rub their tummy and pat their head at the same time. Well, okay. 
Why? Because if we get to know each other and we learn the truth, maybe the truth will set us free from the prejudices and pains that we've created. The little dog said, if you promise to be good, I'll be your best friend. Maybe you go through that list and you'll find your best friend today. Okay, so the apostles come back, and it says this woman went to her village, and she told everybody about Jesus, and the whole village came out to see him. Now, I want to ask you a question. If she's such a bad woman with such a horrible reputation, why would everybody come out to see Jesus? Why would they even listen to her? Besides, nobody ever said in this story, Jesus or anyone else, quit sinning or anything like that. And she had six guys interested in her. I think that's a pretty good mark right there, don't you? I kind of have a feeling that it was different. This woman was smart. She knew her faith. She had studied it. She had worshipped God. She knew what she was talking about. And I think she went down to the well that morning a little later than most of the other women because she probably was the kind of person that was busy trying to check on everybody because she cared about people so much. That's why she had five husbands because she's kind of the person everybody wanted to be around. I think that she was busy caring for other people. When she got there late to the well, she sees this, this Jewish guy and instead of saying, not going to talk to him, she even accepts this Jesus guy. And she learned the grace of God. And you know, this passage actually starts out by saying Jesus said he had to go to Samaria. Why would he have to go there? There were other ways to get to where he was going than to go through Samaria. He had to go to Samaria. Why? I think he went to meet this woman. I think he went to meet this woman. I think he knew she was so special that he decided he was going to go out of his way and spend a couple of days with this woman because she had the ability to change her whole region, which she did, and bring them to God through the Spirit and through the truth. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'd rather say that this woman is a wonderful example for God than to try and figure out how to rip her down from 2,000 years later, not knowing her at all. And that maybe if we lived in such a way that people saw us as caring and loving and nurturing and offering grace, if we lived like that, then maybe they would come to know the truth and the truth would set them free. Sometimes I think what will people say of me and I'm only just a memory when I'm where my soul belongs. Was I loved? No one else would show up. Was I Jesus to the least of us? Was my worship more than just a song? I want to live like that and give it all I have to everything I say and do points to you. 
You know, I got to tell you the truth. I really don't know if I did the right thing or the wrong thing. You ever feel that way? I don't know if I really messed up or I really offered this kid something that was a blessing. I do know this. I know when I was a young man, I was angry. I was angry at everything. I thought life was so unfair. And I just want to lash out at anything I could. And I can't even tell you the stories that I did back then because I've been told that that's a bad influence on the kids in our church. But I did stuff that was really wrong because I was angry. And somebody grabbed hold of me and loved me in spite of it and told me that Jesus loved me and that there was something that could satisfy my soul. And that turned my life 180. And that's the only reason why I'm probably here and not in prison. So hopefully I can have dinner with that young boy again and we can have a good conversation together. Hopefully we can find a way to move him where he needs to go. But I don't know if I did right or wrong. You ever feel that way? You see, we need to take everything we do to God. Because we do the best we can and then we give it up to God and God forgives the rest. That's what grace is. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to take it to God. And God takes all the brokenness out of our lives. So let's pray, shall we? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. Sometimes I know how, and sometimes I don't. Forgive me, Lord, and open up my mind, open up my heart to see what's wrong. And to change. Bless me, Lord. Transform me that I might be a blessing to the world around me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, before you were born, Jesus decided that he was going to forgive everything you've ever done if you would ask. Did you know that? Everything you've ever had broken or busted or messed up in your life up till this moment, Jesus wants to put it in yesterday. And I'm inviting you to do the same thing and live into tomorrow. That's what grace is. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
the table to be filled. To be filled with all God would pour out into our hearts and into our lives so we can be the people that God has called us to be, so that we can be transformed. Everyone is welcome to come to the table in the United Methodist Church. If you love God, repent of your sin, and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you don't ever have had to come through the doors before. You are welcome at the table. Not because we invited you, although we do, but because God invited you. God invites you to come and receive from him this morning. You are welcome. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, your love remained steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Easter feast that renewed by your word and sacraments and fervent in prayer and works of justice and mercy, we may come to the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks to you, and he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood. The blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us, as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. 
Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now shall we pray together with the confidence of children of God, the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward? In the United Methodist Church, all those who are seeking after Christ are welcome at the table. So you're welcome to join us this morning. We take communion by intinction, which means we ask that you take the bread, dip it in the cup, and commune immediately. You may come by the center aisle or by the outside aisles. If you'd like to come to the rail for prayers for anointing and for healing or to light a candle, you're welcome to do so as well. Come and join us with the Lord.
This morning, if you have children here, they're over in the ark, and they're going to keep them, not forever, <laughs> but until you show up, all right? And if you're here there's a, for, with the preschool, there's reception for you in the gym. So pick up your kids and head on over and join in the festivities. And the rest of you, take that sheet of paper. Go find a new friend, maybe your next best friend. May God bless you, and may God fill you with his grace. May God transform your anger into love. And may God help you to take the truth with love into the world. Go in his peace and his grace, and may God watch over you this day and always. Amen.